1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: In a year when the nation is being divided along voting lines ahead of the voice referendum, there's an inspiring development that's coming from the Christian education sector. And I think you'll catch the significance of this new initiative. The headmaster of Sydney's prestigious Barker College is challenging all Australian private schools to partner with First Nations communities. Philip Heath is headmaster at Barker College and he's already created bilingual campuses in three locations including northeast Arnhem Land. He says there should be at least 50 similar schools around the country. Philip Heath is joining us. Philip, welcome along to 2020. Thank you. It's a
1: great joy to be here. Thank you for including me in the conversation. I think this is such an important question and as you, you said in your introductory remarks, uh, never a more
0: important time to consider this. Philip, is this one of the big gaps that needs to be closed uh, in education and when you're focusing on disadvantaged Indigenous kids?
1: Look, it's, uh, it, it really is and has been for many decades. Um, Whenever you read the educational outcomes of Australian students, Indigenous children seem to fit in a category of their own Um, and, in fact, are often reported separately um, such that uh, they can't be set on the mainstream uh, database uh, in the same way that you might for any other child in Australia. And that's because there's a sense in which... um, Statistically speaking, um, they uh, are, have a, a, a great deal more challenge to experience in getting through the school day compared to non-Indigenous kids. Um, for example, they're commonly, by the, by the time they get into Year 7, somewhere between two and four years behind in their NAPLAN scores. Um, their attendance rates are lower. Their health and um, well-being rates typically are lower, and it's not simply in remote Australia, it's in metropolitan Australia, this sort of data also reflects. And the long-held policy of the nation has been to largely um, allow primary school education to do its best, and then at Year 7 bring children into boarding schools or otherwise, into a different approach that it, that helps them then to close the gap. and they use that language of bridging the gap in educational outcomes. And my sense is that two things that schools with capacity, particularly with Christian conscience, need to enter this space because it is a matter of justice in in the in the living experience of the land. And then secondly, My my other sense is that boarding doesn't suit everybody. Um, Metropolitan boarding, where you take children away from their families and their communities, which is so important to their sense of well-being, doesn't suit everybody either. Um, And the consequence then is that we we need to find new ways of addressing this very challenging problem. The data suggests that students are... You know, Indigenous kids are are up to 40 times more likely to be stopped um, by law enforcement agencies uh, in suspicion of misconduct. There may well be perfectly legitimate fears about how they're behaving in public, but there is a sense in which the, the nation has not yet come to terms with its own story, and Education is one of the key components in all of that long-winded way of saying, yes, this is terribly important and terribly important for schools with with, um,
0: some sort of capacity and conscience to get involved. Philip, your own personal connections here, because as I understand it, uh, you've got your own reflection that goes back to some Redfern riots 20 years ago in Sydney. Were there some things there that triggered something that said somewhere along the line, uh, as I move into leadership roles, I'm going to be able to make a difference?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I'd been a head of a school for about 10 years, um, just under 10 years when those riots occurred, and the school had had some big challenges. So I remember um, traveling through that part of Sydney and praying um, the, the same. Text from the Psalms, What Shall I Render Unto the Lord for His Goodness to Us? Because the school had come through those big challenges. And I went through Redfern as that prayer um, uh, from the Psalms came to mind. And after nine or ten years of very difficult um, development in the school, the school was going really well. What Shall I Render Unto the Lord for the blessings that we have received? Now, as it happened going through Redfern, um, There was the sound of sirens and there was the the sense of tension that was still very present. And most people had never been anywhere near the block in Redfern, and I hadn't either, having worked in the city at the school for, as I say, nigh on a decade, had gone through the Sydney Olympics and all of the joy that that brought, but had never been into the heartland of Indigenous politics in metropolitan Sydney, if not Australia, um, and where so many of the touch points of justice and the sense of, of bereavement were being experienced day to day. Now, leaving aside the politics of all of that, do, do Christian schools have any role to play in these big questions? Or do we stay in our lane and stay um, serving our own communities? And I actually think without abandoning the call to serve our own communities, Christians need to get there and to go into places because that's, I think, what an authentic Christian life starts to look like.
0: I know some listeners will resonate. uh, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to me? And that was the title of the very first sermon that was preached at the very first church service here in Australia by the very first chaplain, Richard Johnson. And interesting to Translate that scripture into an understanding of what you might do when you find yourself as a recipient of some of those benefits and then how you might partner with those who are disadvantaged. How hard is it, Philip, to partner with an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander community school? Um, It's it's very
1: hard because you you must leave at the door, um, like all genuine reconciliation, any presumptions that you might make about um the cultural experience that that the people with whom you're working might bring to a situation. Um, we often think that we're going in to help and that there's a sense in which that's true. We're well motivated but by entering into the story of another you need to enter into it fully and respectfully um, noting the capacity that they, um, those people bring that you're not there to actually rescue them you're actually there to work with them to create a new possibility um, and it, it can cut both ways, in, in my experience um, there's a, a, almost a presumption that a school like the one I have the privilege to care for at the moment um, has great uh, access to resources and therefore um, money will fix everything um, and that's not the case Um, We all know that's not the case. It can only move as fast as relationships, and relationships themselves rest on trust. Um, I love the picture of the incarnation, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have seen it, we have heard it, we have touched it and tasted it. Um, To actually enter the story of another is an incarnational challenge on Christian people. So when you move in to work with an indigenous community, you must respect the long story, the pain that they feel when, for whatever reason that they've experienced in the in the narrative of the Australian uh, story. Um, you must um, recognise the great aptitudes and strengths that they already bring into the educational space, chiefly to do with a, a rich and deep sense of kinship and connection and a beautiful understanding of story and ways of knowing, um, and that you work within that uh, and not supplanting that. Uh, And that takes a lot of humility. It takes um, Indigenous people occasionally to box your ears um, and or to be offended um, or to um, set set you down and say, don't ever use the word help around me. Don't talk about help. This isn't about help. It's about relationship, it's about partnership and that must be in its fullest and most authentic sense sharing and you'd be willing to you are prepared to sit and listen and be taught yourself
0: So you've got relationship and partnership Philip Uh, what sort of reaction have you had from your peers, from other school principals, headmasters and the thought that there might be other schools that might also be involved in this sort of partnership Uh, what sort of reaction are you hearing?
1: Yeah, I think there's incredible kindness and generosity um, in the hearts of pretty much everyone I've spoken to. Um, Some people feel it's, you know, that's not their thing and they're frightened by it and um, they feel stretched and stressed to enter that kind of thinking. Others say, you know, this is so good. How do we get on board ourselves? Or then the third third one is say, well, we'd love to, to work with it. We don't know where to start. Um, or a fourth one, that a lot of the Indigenous, excuse me, a lot of Australian people um, and particularly um, heads of schools actually don't know any Indigenous communities and don't know where to go. Um, these are very pragmatic questions. I guess the fifth point there is is how much does it cost? Um, and are we then risking... Uh, our day-to-day life with the school by doing this thing. Um, and as as um, kind of flippant as it might sound, in my experience,
0: um, God just blesses this work amazingly. And incredibly. You say there are at least fifty similar schools around the country, and you've put the call out and you've said those Christian schools, those private schools ought to be partnering with First Nations communities. Is there a particular point here? Are you the spearhead for this? Who's coordinating the possibilities with, with what could happen here? Oh,
1: well, um, you know, just one person doing one thing in one place and doing the best we can. Um, Organisationally, there's some good work that's starting to go on, partnering with the Commonwealth government um, and um, where there's a kind of, Uh, brokering organisation if you will called Yadamuru um, which Peter Berkeley and Sean Gordon are helping to work to build connections Um, whether I'm the spearhead of that I I really wouldn't presume to say other than you know whatever the call is get on with it and do the best you can. I've been blessed in the communities in which I've been involved St Andrews Cathedral School and Barker College notably who've been Um, gracious enough to say, yeah, let's let's give this a try. Um, It does um, scare people, sometimes people who are, uh, you know, whose experience of uh, First Nation Australia is is not benign uh, or who are frightened by what it might mean to talk about reconciliation and all of that involves. Therefore, I move this out of the political question into the question of... uh, justice and into the rendering of good things in response to the blessings that have been lavished upon us. We have the amazing opportunity in Australia to to do things, um, notwithstanding that it is a fairly secular context in which we're working now. Um, uh, my sense is that the, the community at large is looking for leadership in this space and welcomes it um, and does, doesn't want us to simply stand back and say all these problems should be solved by government after all the long history
0: of independent schools and Christian schools is to actually go into places where there's the greatest need. Philip Heath is headmaster at Barker College. He's already created bilingual campuses in three locations, including North East Arnhem Land. He says there's 50 similar schools around the country that need a partnership a partnership with a Australian Christian school that can walk alongside and be a part of the education of not only those wealthy communities, but those communities that we might describe as disadvantaged.
1: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping
0: you make sense of life,
1: culture and current events from a biblical perspective.
0: It's good to have you with us on this Friday edition of 2020. If you are just joining us, it's a conversation today about Christian schools and partnering with schools in Indigenous communities. We're back talking about what might be just the most amazing initiative, an initiative to come out of. This period of time, from when the referendum was called by the Prime Minister to a time when we might all vote on a First Nations voice to the Parliament. Because in this time, some amazing initiatives are happening. Something is coming to fruition which you might be astounded at. And our special guest, Philip Heath, is headmaster at Barker College and they've established relationships with First Nations communities, already bilingual campuses in three locations, including northeast Arnhem Land. And Philip Heath says there are at least 50 similar schools around the country, and he's put the call out to Christian schools to partner with, to relate with Indigenous communities. There's a two-way street, isn't there? Because we might think of the wealthy christian school partnering with the disadvantaged community you mentioned just a short while ago that there's something that comes back to your more wealthy christian school community that's coming from this partnership how do you describe that yeah
1: yeah thank you uh, i think that the what returns with all blessings this is a beautiful way that god works uh, is a deeper understanding of the of the story of, it, of what it is to live on this land. Um, indigenous people are really happy to share cultural story um, and they want to and that opens up a world of 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 depth of connection with the land and even the profound question about what's god been doing for millennia uh, on this on this continent. Um, And connecting that back into the story of your own school is a a tremendous blessing
0: Um, and, yeah, one that I've personally been enormously enriched by. You say that those Indigenous communities are not looking for help. In other words, uh, they don't want, uh, you know, the white man coming from the coast and uh, coming with things that they say will be helpful but you're talking about Aboriginal communities. I'm wondering how welcoming Aboriginal communities are when you decide to humbly partner and relate in the way that you're doing. How have you discovered that that partnership is welcomed?
1: Uh, Almost always marvellous. Um, I wait for an invitation um, so I get to know people first and or build connections such that people uh, can develop trust and confidence. Again, it's that incarnational view that you go into a story and you stay with that story and show it respectfully and lovingly, and then the invitations issue from that. Um, That's been a really important methodology. Uh, Rather than say, look, here's a deal for you. If you just step aside, we'll go ahead. So long as uh, it's based on respect uh, and um, the relationship between us is um, uh, a, a firm one and one that is uh, recognized that there's mutual learning I've found that with with almost no exceptions once you've shown that um, it, it works really well some communities put you to the test um, so you may be uh, challenged and um, occasionally um, some of the more delicate, Elements of um, relationships, welcomes, and, um, um, you know, senses of hospitality vary from community to community within capacity and their own experience. Um, don't be put off by that. Just keep going. Um, respectfully keep going and and have a generous heart about it. But by and large, everybody loves their children. Everyone wants to see their children thrive and do well. Nobody wants to do a bad job in education, Um and those with capacity should put their arms around and support and walk
0: with those who need a bit of support. So as we're talking about partnering with, having relationship with, those uh, Indigenous school communities, and we might call them disadvantaged communities because when we compare the sorts of facilities you have at Barker College uh, where you've got robotics design, uh, amazing sporting facilities, Uh, the facilities you have there, state-of-the-art, theatre, performing arts facilities. Uh, We might be thinking, you know, that is there a two-way street here Uh, because Barker is also a boarding school. Are there plans for sort of student exchange? It's one thing, isn't it, to send nice messages to one another saying we're partnering but is there a practical sense to what happens here with this relationship, Philip? So the New South Wales campus is a lot
1: easier than with North East Arnhem Land because you're nearly 4,000 kilometres away. And yes, we do have boarding and some uh, Indigenous children are in our boarding and some from Darwin and and uh, um, some from uh, Western New South Wales and, and South Australia and so on. Um, but just on the point of you know, whether we can have a two-way thing. We, we sent our robotics teams up there 12 months ago and uh, with phenomenal results. Um, the students from the dubamar Barker um, campus up in northeast Arnhem Land learned robotics, uh, participated in the national finals last December and were ranked number four and in Australia and then qualified to... Uh, participate in the World Finals, the World VEX Championships, which were held in April in Dallas, Texas, and they went. And uh, the only uh, remote community, the only Indigenous team in the world uh, who qualified and and attended these World Finals in Dallas, Texas, and we, you know, so it's a practical outworking where you actually take your school outside of its own gates and to another community. And provided those relationships are right, extraordinary things can happen. Um, And those children showed that they really know how to do things, um, even though, frankly, they were driving the only robot in the Northern
0: Territory. (laughs) Hey, what is the reaction, Philip, from your own school community, talking about the parents uh, and the students themselves? What sort of reaction do they have that there's this practical wonderful relational way of connecting with a disadvantaged community?
1: I think that there's great warmth on the whole. One or two folk are suspicious and one or two are worried that funds from here are going to flow to the children of strangers. Um, so we need to be careful about how we manage the money uh, and um, that we don't over uh, overdo um, the, the kind of uh, largesse, if you will, from here to there. But by and large, the overwhelming majority of our students, parents, alumni, and even the observers uh, around us are very proud to see that school's trying to do um, something that is usually left to the government schools to, to try to solve. My sense is that um, as the nation becomes more and more secular, We need to give evidence rather than from the pulpit in our practical outworking that we care and we participate in some of the bigger questions that the nation is facing.
0: When you say there are at least 50 similar schools to the ones you're partnering around the country and you're looking to say, what about all of the other Australian private schools, those big Christian schools that have some capacity here to be able to help, is your encouragement for each of those schools to, to identify a community on their own? How hard is it to do that on your own? It, it, you know, everything's in relationships, but
1: um, when I mentioned 50, I, I, it was really a call to say there should be 50 of these kinds of schools around the country. The need is there and the interest is there. Um, a lot of uh, excellent schools with mostly Indigenous populations I uh, would just love to partner with um, Metropolitan Australia. Would love that, um, and uh, I think the, we sometimes can look well beyond what we need to. There There's large communities dotted on or around our uh, metropolitan fringe. There are some communities that live, you know, cheerfully within the city, as as we've seen with the Redfern and Waterloo, Willamaloo, Alexandria. Annandale, part of Sydney, um, but Blacktown through down to through Parramatta and then um, further south and further west, there's large communities there. There's Similarly in Melbourne west and east, um, similarly in Brisbane and, and parts of North Queensland, um, there, there are opportunities um, if people reach out. The local ACG, um, the local land councils, um, just reach out and start talking to them. Is there any possibility of partnering? Invite Indigenous leaders into your school and build relationships patiently Um, and let it be one life at a time because that's how God works with us. Thank goodness that God does that.
0: One life at a time, time. uh, one school at a time. And as you say, I mean, you've plucked that number out of the air, that 50, but there's probably lots more than 50 uh, that need this sort of partnership or that would tremendously benefit from this sort of partnership. Hey, where do you see mm. things going from here? If you were looking ahead and saying, uh, what do things look like in 10 years, where you've got partnership now with three schools, three communities, uh, where do you see things in 10 years?
1: Well, uh, in the next uh, one to two years uh, up at North East Arnhem Land, we're building a secondary school. We've started... We've turned the first sort of soil. We got a a generous gift from Rio Tinto to help us do that. Um, So we'll go through to secondary school uh, in the next few years, and that's a big plus. We'll connect up with the local uh, capacity around trade training so that the kids have got a good pathway into employability. Um, We'll develop teachers and a teacher education network with First Nation uh, people up there. so there's a pretty clear vision uh, there. Um, we are approached occasionally by other communities who say, well, what about, you know, are you are you willing to look at that? So I think the next call that I sense is, is to be capacity building um, around us and with other schools. Um, so we're doing a little bit of work uh, in that space. And in the same vein, we, we've just started to think a little bit about what kind of contribution can a place like this make in the refugee space as well? Um, and it's all driven by that, that powerful imperative that you rightly reminded us was Richard Johnson's first ever sermon, What Shall We Render Unto the Lord? Because incredible blessings have been been visited upon schools like this one for 133 years of its history, um, and some remarkable things have happened in the lives of its graduates, and we, but we, there's more to do in the
0: nation and we shouldn't just sit back and let government have to do it all. This sounds to me, and it'll resonate with listeners too undoubtedly, that you can hear a missionary heart. In the initiative that you have begun here, Philip, and it's being worked out in the education sector. And when you say there's 130 plus years history in Barker, there must be an awful lot of alumni, some that might even be listening to our conversation today saying this is an initiative I really need to get behind and support whether it's a moral support or whether it's a financial support, is that something you'd you'd call on people to? Uh, you know, if you've had a great experience in the education sector and you've gotten a great education, you've got into a great career, is this something you think you could do as a missionary endeavour, reaching out through the private school that you might be a part of in your own community and reaching out into disadvantaged communities?
1: Oh, very much so, Neil. You've said it beautifully, um, you know, the blessings that we receive as parable after parable in in the in the life of jesus that that he shares that that um that call call us to do that you know we we humbly stand at the back and beat our breasts with gratitude for the blessings that have been lavished upon us what now do we do um or we have been given ten talents um what do we do with those ten talents do we bury them or do we um, uh, do we place them at the disposal of, of God's kingdom and that, that you clearly know where I'm driving at. The truth is however it was what, what allowed all of this to get started uh, here at Barker in any case and similarly at St Andrews um, a, lot, a long time before this in 2015 I had a, a an alum who spoke to me and said when you talk about Indigenous education are you serious? And I said absolutely and he said well I set up a a little fund called Worthy Nation, and I've not found a cause that I'm happy with, but um, he then provided $400,000 and um, said, w- w- can you do something with this? And so that gave us the first corpus that we had to get the work begun, and so Dark John Barker began about six months later um, with, the, with that, um, that gift. So it was a... a a much older person who's now, may um, rest in peace, uh, passed away. But his gift from his little fund, which he'd set up, Worthy Nation, uh, got all of this started. So it was um, a direct evidence of what you just described. Somebody who recognized that in the 40s and 50s, um, remarkable things had been delivered in his life. That otherwise, without the school
0: might not have happened, and what now shall he do? Well, Philip, I want to honour your leadership. Uh, you're the spearhead here, and this is something new and no doubt resonating with listeners who have had connections with private Christian schools and wondered, is there a mission endeavour to be involved in? And uh, you're setting the pace here, and what an inspiration it is, Philip Heath, a headmaster at Barker College in Sydney, and now relationships with schools, including one of those in northeast Arnhem Land, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander schools, some that some will describe as disadvantaged, but a partnership Walking side by side, a relational connection to Indigenous schools uh, with some of the wealthy Christian schools around the nation. Uh, may it be something that blossoms from here, Philip Heath, and a uh, special, special honour to you. Let me point listeners Thanks. to how they might connect with you, Philip. Uh, just simply go to the website, barker.college, barker.college, that's dot College. And, uh, Philip, I know you'll be interested in pointing people in a direction that they might be able to do something themselves. But for those who want to connect directly with you, there'll be a contact page on the website at barker.college. Philip Heath, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020.
1: Thanks very much, Neil. I really appreciate the support and interest and the blessing of the Lord shower upon everybody who seeks to serve his name.